ultimately no, let's pause let's t- let's tell them about the store around the corner how big is let's it? let's pitch it actually yeah. first of all it's the size of a closet. Like, walk-in closet it's a large walk-in closet yeah and you go in there and there's about seven chocolate bars on the wall with an estimated value of two or three billion dollars <laughs> and there's this one purveyor and it's a sh- usually a she and she looks like a prisoner yeah because there's no i don't know how they get in or out <laughs> They probably have to sleep behind. She's behind the counter. You can get two customers in, yeah. but it's snug. It's a little snug. It's, uh, but they have. What's some the most of the best expensive chocolate. bar in there? 15 bucks? Uh, I think about 20. Okay, $20 chocolate bar. Yes. And it is spectacular, by the way. It's good. If you like a sort of it's bitter. A, here's the thing. No, no, no. You no. gave me some. You gave me some once, and then you screamed at me for like 10 minutes for chewing. <laughs> like, are you chewing? Is this going to be on the podcast? We should share this with people. Okay. Rich likes the Amadai, The Amadai Porcelana yeah. is just okay, we'll put otherworldly. The link. We will put the link to the video where there's a Steely Dan song, and people sniff the chocolate. It's Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. People need to understand the world that exists around chocolate. Paul. Rich. I mean, first off, we could have our own podcast just talking about the difference between user experience user interface, experience design, information design. I'm not going to do it. Don't okay? do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm a user experience does designer at Google, specifically okay. at Google's Android division. <sighs> Big division. And I said, I've got it, guys. Mm-hmm. Rather than opening a browser up, then going to google.com. Yeah. Okay. Put, I'm going to put a big G the bottom of the first screen you see when you unlock your phone. I'll tell you, I, I have an Android phone. Very convenient. I like that feature. <clears throat> I think you I think you hold the button. I don't have an Android. Do you um, hold the button down? No, it's here. I got it's here in my hand. You, you could talk into it. Yeah, no, and you just kind of like the G is right there on the bottom. A little search bar right on the bottom of the phone. It's beautiful. Yeah, and then you. It's all Google, and you can talk to it. you. Can hit the microphone. You'll be like, "Hey, roll a die." All right. Five. Well, that's kind of neat. It's useful, right? Yeah. I do it. Actually, what I do is I use that with the kids a lot when it's yeah. like, who's got first shower? Oh, that's pretty smart. I say, hey, Google, flip a coin. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's good. All right. But it let's talk little... about Google for a second. I mean, there it does a lot, right? If, if you say, where's the nearest pizzeria? Or you say, when was Winston Churchill born? It's just, it's a whole world. The whole world is in that box. It knows everything. It's very smart. And it's a giant company that doesn't just provide sort of search interfaces anymore, even though that's its base. And it's worth noting, the way it makes money is by advertising products on top of those search experiences. Correct. So people, brands, like if you if you want to promote something, you can buy search advertising and you can also buy banner ads that... that Google runs through its network. Like it's actually one of the Google and Facebook are two of the largest advertising companies in the world or advertising related companies in the world. Absolutely. And so, so um, wait, I, I put the button. Well, this is what's tricky. Android is an operating system that's open sourced. Correct. Anyone can download Android, although they sometimes they go back and forth as to how open they're being that day with all the source code. I think for Android. There are layers that are not. Well, it's like anything. It's a big platform. Anyway, so there's Android. You can download it, uh, but it comes mostly. It comes on your phone, 
And it's got Google search built right in, right there. In essence, they made it more convenient. The the design team decided uh, that... Gosh, people are using this all day. Who the hell wouldn't want a big G on the bottom left? First of all, nobody wants DuckDuckGo down there. Like the people who do have already opted into like, and uh, they they've hacked their Palm Trio. Yeah, and they, exactly. Right. So so uh, it's Google. Nobody wants Bing Phone. Correct. So, but it's good worth thing noting wait, for we, everyone. No. Well, and but it is worth noting, right? You get that iOS device, and it doesn't. It has Apple Maps and app, and maybe it connects to another search besides Google. Like it's not necessarily. It, does, it doesn't even have that convenience, though. They won't let you sort of let that functionality bleed out of the the app context. Which oh, I is, love, I love which my is, Android phone. I hate to say it. I mean, I yeah, hate to say it's I good love stuff, it. man. I don't like to love a consumer product, but boy, is that thing easy to use. Yeah. I have an, a, a feature idea before we get into the crux of this mm-hmm. podcast. If you whisper into it, yeah, no, it's it, that's the it incognito mode. Yeah, it goes into incognito if oh, you're whispering. That would be great. How Inc- good is that? Incognito whisper mode. Yes, for the uh, Google, for the uninformed, what is incognito mode, Paul? Uh, I've never used it, but oh. <laughs> incognito mode <laughs> is a, a special mode on your computer that actually. Um, it doesn't automatically log you in and track you through cookies. Like it, it, it like if you are using Twitter, let's say, mm-hmm. and you go in incognito mode, you're suddenly not logged into Twitter anymore while you're in incognito mode. You can log in, but when you close out of incognito mode, all your cookies go away and it, context it, is gone. That's right. So it doesn't, it, it can still track you through things like IP address and all sorts of other ways that computers are your cable spun. company, your internet provider. It's, it's not exactly security, but it is a kind of privacy, and it gets rid of your search history if you look at things on the internet that you probably hey Google. I don't I don't want to say shouldn't look at, but just like sometimes you don't want a record of your behavior. Sometimes people users <laughs> users don't, and so uh, incognito mode exists for that. Hey Google, can you please go to <laughs> oh, a lot of whispering? Yeah, there's a lot right. of whispering. So great feature. Incredible convenience. Nobody's going to complain about that button. Just it's something you do all day. It's the world at your fingertips, and it's right there. Well, not nobody. Europe complained about that. Button. Here we go. Europe, home of Europeans who don't always see giant privacy busting companies that track you everywhere you go as a good thing. It's a damn shame. Like, I mean, what is the point of America if not to make those companies happen? <laughs> It's a very circuitous way of getting to where we're trying to get to. <laughs> what happened? This is this is recent. Okay. The the thing that happened is that Europe, the European Commission, the European Association, the European Commission has fined Google five billion dollars, which actually is a meaningful amount of money, finally. Okay. For what? For what we're talking about, having all that convenience. Five billion dollars for too much convenience well, is what you're saying. Well, that's not how they see it. What they see is that Google has pushed manufacturers to use Android on the phones that they create. It's locked them into an Android ecosystem that Google controls. And while Android is nominally open source, clearly what the EU commission is saying is that these handheld manufacturers felt some kind of pressure or that the commercial relationship they had with Google got them to put the Google search into the core Android experience as the default. 
Yeah, I I don't think and Chrome. I don't think you have to do any work. I think if you pull, yeah, the that's that's Android, how it works. It is how it works, right? I'm not. I don't know the the. And so there's no. And the same is also true of the Chrome browser, which is the default in Android. That's right. And made by Google. Okay, so what? Well, now you're in a position that's actually uh, not dissimilar from back in ye olden days when Microsoft got in big trouble for bundling Internet Explorer and really integrating it with the Windows operating system in such a way that it became less interesting and, 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 and more sort of a challenge for people to download something like Netscape or other web browsers to use. A huge fine because it became less interesting? Well, a huge fine because they have stifled the competitive environment in which an other web browser or another search company can thrive because they have 85% of the global smartphone market. So now it's serious. Okay, now we're in a situation in which Google owning and controlling, because many of our listeners are probably on iPhones, and they're actually very much in the global minority. Yes. Um, High-powered phones, there's a lot of iOS devices out there, but a lot of phones aren't that high-powered. A lot of phones cost $60 to $100. And our prime computing platforms for for citizens, and uh, and they run Android. That is very very much what the global smartphone. Just in the same way that I mean, we're talking a huge cut of the smartphones in the world is uh, Android. Well, and this is what I mean, absolutely dominant. You know, this is also it's worth remembering. Like most computers still run Windows too. Like we we often. People who are listening to this, people in our industry, we live in these very rarefied technical spaces. Um, And you only really run into how most people use computers when you are testing a product on, you know, 20 different Android phones. But this is real. So the EU has said, hey, you can't do that. You can't own the whole market and make your stuff the total default. And that is a, uh, that's anti-competitive. It's monopolistic and you owe us $5 billion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and change it <laughs> and yeah. change it yeah. that's right all right paul this this isn't working for me i i don't get it what what's, do you mean what's anti-competitive it's a phone i'm gonna be anti antitrust that's a double negative sort of that's a okay so you want to compete uh-huh design a phone mm-hmm. sell a phone okay but wait a minute it's not about the phones because there's a million do phone you, makers do you, if you own the block do you get to tell me what kind of store i put on the block like, I mean, it's just sort of like they own the platform. They do. It's open source, but Google owns it. They have control over distribution and influence over handset makers. And that creates an environment in which other... See, this is what's tricky, I think, as a technologist, because to catch up to Google feels right now like an absolutely impossible task. So there's this element of like, yeah, well, of course they're going to have their search on the phone. Because what other search is going to be there? Bing? Duck, duck, go? Aren't you happy, though? I'm happy with Google. That's the thing. I'm overall happy with Google. They, they got me. They yeah. got me. Right? But like, that's not that's not the rules. The rules are that you're supposed to be able to have competition and supposed to be able to thrive. And people should probably have to opt in. That's what, that's what the EU is saying. No, they should have to. They should have to choose which search provider, which browser they're going to use. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I get it. And I actually, I don't know if I agree with the fine. That's bizarre. I don't even know how to get to that number, but whatever. Well, but you just, you, the spirit you pick, of it, I you get. You pick a billion and then you round to that. Yeah. 
a lot of the motivation around antitrust, right, is um, control and your ability right. to control um, uh, the value of things, for example. If I only had one place where I could buy chocolate, I like chocolate. Yeah. That vendor, if there was no competition. First of all, you wouldn't survive. If there were in 30 minutes, I used you, the worst example. you would melt down. If there wasn't a choice between like Italian and Vietnamese coffee in your life. Did I ever tell you about the Vietnamese beans? No, go ahead. They're exceptional. Yeah. It's, Rare. Is this a, is it a single source, sublime. single source bean to bar? <laughs> all right. If I'm the only chocolate maker mm-hmm. and I dominate and I bought all the other chocolate vendors. Yeah and consolidate them into one, I can charge you anything I want. And also welcome to Snickers world. That's not, <laughs> that's not the place that you're going to get a variety of yeah. like, you know, on one side, your chunky bar and on the right side, the, uh, you know, the, the single source bean to bar Vietnamese handpicked beans. I just really want to move on from that. <laughs> I know, but I, well, it's, I want the audience to know what it's ulti- like to be in business with you. <laughs> this is ultimately about the consumer. <laughs> this is ultimately about the consumer because if there if competition does not thrive mm-hmm. and people are not given the opportunity to innovate for the benefit of a consumer, then too much power gets concentrated in one place. And look, this is really tricky because you're talking about a company like Google stifling innovation. Google has vast control over what people see and gain access to on the internet. Yes, that is just a fundamental reality. America and the American approach to business is actually surprisingly friendly to a sort of semi-monopolistic approach. Like we had for, and this is not me being my lefty, like hand wave yourself. For a hundred years, we had a government approved monopoly in the form of the phone company. There was one way to get long distance connectivity. Yes. yes. And that was the bell system. It broke up in, I think, 1983 or 1984. But like, um, and the reason it broke up is they were trying to get into, there were lots of reasons, but the one, they wanted to get into computers. And so the the they couldn't do that and be the phone company, and they broke up for that reason. Yeah. I think they were kind of angling for IBM. Yeah, I mean, there are laws here. Out of fairness to the United States, there are the Sherman antitrust laws. There are, but which, like we have a, we are a giant network that controls all communication in America to yeah. like a very, to a relatively fine tolerance is something that we will accept as yeah. a country. And I'm not saying like good or bad, like that is just, we have proven that you we, can- We let power- and centralize and consolidate. And then reimpose itself on a marketplace. It's, it's, you're right. I mean, now, I have a theory that Intel kept AMD around. Oh, I think that's real, right? Like, I think you need, you need one competitor. It just keeps, it's, you get to keep like Facebook and Google. Are, Intel, I mean, if there were every central processing unit of every machine, that's a terrifying prospect. Facebook right? and Google are kind of at war, Apple too, but like, if you had Facebook without Google or vice versa, it would be a, it's it's even it's a harder conversation. Correct. I think what we what we are comfortable with is we like giants duking it out. We allow centralization as long as there's a couple giants going. We're competition. Okay. We want to see that competition. That said, I mean the the baby bell companies that got broken up have all re- sort of acquired each other, and now they're even some of them are you know unimaginably large. Like Verizon is unbelievably big. People love ads in the middle of their podcast, don't they? Isn't they really that something do. they really do? Yes. Um, Postlight is a company that partners with you to think through big challenges. And then 
Usually, as we define those big challenges and understand how your business is going, um, we then help you build platforms and products and software that help you really meet those challenges in your business. That's yes. what we do. It's very abstract, right? So let, let's play it out for a sec. I come to you and I say, um, I think there is a huge market for people who like to walk their cats on leashes. Okay. And, I, as, a, as a salesman... I will say that's a great idea. And you know what, Rich? <laughs> there are so many cats at home and there's a lot of people, there's a lot of business going on in dog walking right now. And I'd like to do a cat walking app that would bring cat walkers to, uh, to people's homes and then they could take the cats out for walks and then take on a them leash. Home. On a leash. So it's like an app that would both match people to cat walkers and then also tell them and like share pictures of their cats on walks. All right. I have $200 billion to do this. Can you help me? And then off we go. That's right. And we'll talk about it. Because we got to build a big API to match people up. People have to be able to log into the service. Yep. And then there has to be a really beautiful mobile experience to help match people with their catwalkers. Also, you're going to want to sell leashes. All, all of it. can't just go down to the bodega and get a cat leash. It's really specific. <laughs> and so so what, what kind of talent do we have, Paul, to solve these problems? Well, you know, we're, we're a, we build products. We deliver product strategy and we build products. So we have a lot of product managers. That's really key. They help you get it done. And then they work very closely with designers who really drive the engagements from a visual point of view. How's it going to look in an, your hand? An interaction point. It's very important. And then to actually make the thing real, we have a large um, front-end and back-end engineering team that can sort of take something from an idea and then get it out absolutely into reality. And we joke around, um, we would actually push back very hard on the cat walking go-to-market plan because that I would like to see a lot of... Uh, sort of focus groups and studies before I would encourage a client to go down that path. But if you if you have a path in front of you, um, we are a natural person to call and we're very easy to have a conversation with. Extremely. Yeah. So it's just like you're having right now, you're hearing in your ears. That's what it's like when you call us. So we like talking anyway. Hello at postlight.com. That's an email address. Okay, so... So here's the key section, section two okay. of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Let's go. Every person who shall monopolize or attempt to monopolize or combine or conspire with any other person or persons to monopolize any part of the trade or commerce among the several states or with foreign nations shall be deemed guilty of a felony. Mm -hmm. In essence... A felony too, not just a fine, like you could go to jail. Yeah. Okay. It's 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 you it's going to be enforced. Right, You're, so they're going to shatter you into little pieces if wow. you don't or change your behavior. And this happened in 19 2001. Mm -hmm. Microsoft was getting its lunch eaten in the quote-unquote browser wars. That's right. At the time, they did not they they were kind of blindsided by A company it. called Netscape was making browsers available and available freely and very good ones. Yeah. And very good ones. And they uh, and the web was new too. The web's new. Microsoft, I think, put a crappy Internet Explorer it did. one or two, and it was like, oh, this is cute. It was probably a team of twelve who just kept complaining about not doing it. Well, look, this was not the way it was supposed to go, right? The way it was supposed to go is that AOL existed, and then there was like MSN, the Microsoft network, and there'd be like a you know four or five of those, and they would duke it out to provide cool services and interesting media content to people through their modems. I think that was later, no? Well, that, that sort of came along as the web is growing. As access. To and the they internet. were like, what the hell is this? This is some guy with a mushroom collection with a web page. What the? No, 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 no. That's not what people want. They want access to Star Wars and Star Trek content in an organized folder. 
Right. We're going to give it to them. And so then the web shows up and they're like, all right, screw it. Here's your browser. We're going to get on this too. We're going to own this just like we were going to own their attention with the old network. And an operating system version comes out. I forget which one. Three or four, 95. It was like 98. 98. 98. It was Windows 98. And it was an update or something. Or as you, like some at some point when you yeah. installed it on the desktop was the Internet Explorer icon. I think it was even more too. Like it was kind of integrated. Like you could put a URL in any folder and it would bring up a browser. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. Anyway. So like suddenly, and it looked kind of, I remember when it first came out, I'm like, wow, Microsoft has really gone all in on the web. It's built all the way through this operating system. And it's probably out of fear when it happened. Right. Right. And United States of America sues them under uh, the Sherman Antitrust uh, sections one and two. And what they're essentially saying is you can't do that because consumers, and at that time, by the way, worth noting, you can go get Netscape. You could still run it. You could still go download it. Well, this is true. And, and on Android, you can go get a replacement for Chrome or you can use other services. Probably engines. could. And this is, by the way, probably what they're going to nudge them towards, which is just interface changes. The impact of anti-competitive practices and how they have to be modified actually affects the user experience. Well, it's subtle stuff, right? Because, you know, Microsoft sells the operating system to the to the various hardware providers. And then there's this real estate on the desktop and you pop it and they sell that to companies like AOL. And so you get your new laptop and you would click on it and it would say, sign up to AOL. And you'd click on that and it would take you to the sign up. And so like, there's this very weird thing where there, Microsoft is creating this space that other people can kind of colonize and resell. But if they go too far in one direction, then they're getting in the way of all that competition. But the problem is it's all sort of like tacky and gross too. So I remember being watching that stuff and just sort of feeling dirty all around. Yeah, right. Right. It's not, you're making way for people to, it's almost like, you know, you're pretty scuzzy and you need to make room for other people to be scuzzy too. Right, right. So uh, the fine, I can't rationalize the fine, which is like, you've heard us and now please pay the bill. I'm sure there's some it's not a hospital bill. I mean, it's like us when we come up with what it's going to cost on a project. Like somebody it's, got in there and plugged in their like, their antitrust yeah. spreadsheet. It's probably in Google Docs. It's called antitrust.xls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and you just pick one to five. Yeah. And, you rang, and it, it came up with five, one, ka-ching, 5.1 billion. Ka-ching, yeah. 5. What's 1 fascinating billion. is it's not even one nation. It's the EU. Yeah. Got together. And then that. I wonder if, I guess Britain gets part of the fine. And she's, she's like. <laughs> For like a minute. Northern European, kind of this angry, short haired woman with that heavy kind of Northern European accent. I don't know if it's German or whatever. It's just like shit's, shit's going down. Right. Oh, There's yeah. Yeah. They're not, this isn't a fun press conference. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not like, hey, well, we all make mistakes. <laughs> so Google has tried to undermine the fundamental structure of our culture and our, our, the ability of people to access information and, and of companies to compete. And they must be hurt badly as a punishment. It's, I don't know how you unwind this. To be honest, I think the 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 I think Google just the had- sheer momentum of Google and and the desire to, to the need not even desire to to have it be a part of how you live. I think the trains left. Well, it's trickier. Microsoft was very smug and they got slapped hard. And yeah. I don't think Google's as smug. I think they're like, oh, all right, they'll they'll adapt. I mean, it could be when you first the very first time you open your Android phone, it says choose your browser. Almost invariably, it'll happen in a, on a per market like basis. Like if you're selling this in the EU territories, it must have, there'll be the it, EU opt-in. 
It'll be something like that. And they will win 90. And you know what it is? You start to negotiate how easy it is to change it. Wait a minute. You buried it in the settings too far. I bet you can do it now, maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. I think it comes up with that G on the bottom. Yeah, I think think that's right. You'd have to mess around with Android. So what'll happen is there will be a... It'll be seven levels deep in settings. And they'll say, hey, check it out, EU. We took care of it. No, it'll be a switcher that the handset makers are have to implement uh, that allows for... You know, and Google has to make will have to make it part of the software. Yep. And it will allow for people to um, choose their browser and choose their default search experience, and that will be embedded into Android. And you won't get you know the ability to search with your voice if you don't opt into Google. It'll, it'll, and people will it'll be a ninety nine percent success rate for Google, right? I mean, probably. Yeah, that's the thing. Like if and well, this is actually a very good reminder. They could have just done this. It would have cost them probably about $4 million in development. Yeah. But why would you do it? It's bad design. Because there was a ton of precedent and their lawyers could have talked and figured this out directly. Uh, Ask for forgiveness, Paul. No, I know. $5 billion. Welcome to $5 billion of forgiveness. Look, I think but this what is, is the, yeah, you launch the rocket ship and it either crashes or it gets into orbit. That is, that's the Google approach. Yeah. And they'll be fine. I mean, let's yeah, no, they're going to do okay. <laughs> but it is interesting, right? Because the question is who controls that territory, right? And well, so, you know, you'd think the designers do. This is what's fascinating to me is that great experience design uh-huh. leads to anti competitive practices. That's right. No, and I think we, that is great. And yet, yeah, we sort of often talk about design as being, you know, it's a sort of sacred practice and how do we take care of the user and so on. It's easy to argue that Google's design is intensely ethical. Exactly. And really good. And then at the same time, the EU is going like, uh uh-uh. Yeah. And and what's too good. What's strange is that this has to get, this has to get hashed out legalistically with $5 billion in fines. There probably is a way for this culture to have more conversations up front, not go to disrupt everything, be aware that it will be perceived as threatening, and then maybe avoid those $5 billion in fines and not lose a lot of business opportunity as a result. But- very it's not, tricky. It's not how it's not how American capitalism went to Europe. <laughs> didn't, didn't I don't even really. consider honestly America. It's just the company trying to make their products more engaging and useful, and they did, and I, they made them so engaging and useful that it became difficult for uh, competition to really compete with that experience. This is meaningful, right? There's two realities, and the internal Google reality is that human access to Google technologies is incredibly good for humanity. That that is, and there's an argument to be made that that's true. Like, I mean, it's not, yeah. you know, and there's an argument, but the EU point of view is that a wide variety of information access services is much better for humanity than one single point of access. And when you get into something like 85% of people having Android smartphones, you start to risk the ability of a civil society to define itself. That's a compelling the thing is, is both macro ethical rea- arguments. That's the thing. Both realities can kind of be shown to be really consistent. And so this is where it gets so tricky. Yeah, I, I think, I think the, I, I think, I don't know the history of how we got to our antitrust laws, but I think the antitrust laws is if I, if I'm a grocer and I sell pickles, if I buy out all the pickle people, I can charge whatever I want. Sure. Because there's nowhere else to get the pickles. I think it was as simple as that. I think by anti-competitive, that's kind of what they meant. I think applying those laws, right, which were chiseled into wood, essentially. Yeah to the complexities and the and the, the, the dynamic aspects of technology and information is just 
your head explodes. It's hard, but this is what law has to do as this stuff changes. Like That's right. These are the precedents. The precedents are like, don't buy too many pickles. Yeah. You know, or, or like, I'm going to charge you $800 for a pickle. Yeah. And and you say, wait a minute, it used to be 44 cents. For right. Over 200 pickles. I mean, if there's another search engine out there that wants to play, they're probably using Google. <laughs> so grisly. <laughs> Under the hood. I got to say, I do find that part. The, the competitive... <laughs> I mean, let's face it, right? 